to me, it's clear that we we are still approaching it like like it's a Web two effort, and and that's from the user research perspective, from the audiences, target groups, you know, designers and tech people, um, you know, across the board, like all the different specialties, looking at it like the same methods which work for let's say Web two is going to work for Web three. Hey, this is Kirill Nagornich, and you're listening to the UX Objective Podcast, the show for SaaS founders, designers, and product people. So today our guest is uh, Vitautas Alichnavichus, experienced design leader, UX educator, author of Get Into UX book, and Vitautas also serves as a UX service and product design manager at Tesco UK. And today we're going to speak about web-free UX. Hey, uh, Vito, I'm very happy and honored actually to have you on the UX Objective podcast. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for having me. Uh, happy to be here and talk about this topic. Uh, I guess, you know, we, we could probably spend hours of that, uh, you know, just digging into it, but it's super complex and relevant topic. So super excited to be here. I guess we would start with a simple question and um, well, it's not even a question, but just set the terms which we're going to operate. Web free is um, decentralization as a phenomenon is a still very emergent field, and still nobody knows what exactly it means right now and what shape is going to take in the future. However, there are some principles behind it uh, which describe web free: decentralization, transparency, immutability, absence of censorship so and web3 foundation they coined it very nicely they say that web1 is about uh, reading only web2 is about reading and writing and then web3 is about reading writing and trusting so that's the definition and i guess there are two sides to the trust the first one is technical trust, where actually computers and systems trust each other. And the other one is actually human trust. So when people trust technology they're using. Do you think there is currently a gap between the regular users of the internet and web-free technology? Uh, well, you know, that, that's uh, I guess it's a difficult one to answer, but certainly there is one. Um, you know, myself and I advise, let's say, startups in Web3 and, and try to build their design communities and, you know, design capabilities and organizations within those startups. To me, it's clear that we we are still approaching it like, uh, like it's a Web2 effort. And, and that's from the user research perspective, from the audiences, target groups, you know, designers and tech people, um, you know, across the board, like all the different specialties looking at it like the same methods which work for, let's say, Web2 is going to work for Web3. And, and we assume that people who, let's say, use, uh, you know, social media, which to me, social media is Web2. That, that's like, uh, you know, what defines Web2, which... Your your parents, elderly, everyone is on social media right now to to some extent, and you know they could be just using something like 
Signal or WhatsApp or, or an app, which is still becomes part of that social media cycle or owned by, you know, big tech, which are part of that social media. Um, we, we assume that all the users which which using that, which is, you know, like majority of the world right now is connected somehow or is networking somehow in that Web2 technology is just simply going to transition into Web3. And, and that's certainly not going to happen easily because you named one of the principles, which is trust. And trust is built with enough people using it, but also all the other practices. Like um, what I see is, is that we take, let's say, something like design thinking, uh, and I'm going to separate that from, let's say, typical UX methods or, you know, typical, let's say, disciplines, which we use and add to the design thinking to, to you know, to add the layer of uh, usability is, um, and it's, it's maybe a very strategic take, but you have this, you know, model, you know, then diagrams of design innovation from design thinking, where you try to overlap the viability, the desirability and feasibility of a solution. And in the middle, that's a perfect spot, right? That creates trust in Web 2, but in Web 3 for any other ordinary person, it, it, it's not going to work because we now have to add another bubble of governments or, or governing bodies to build trust because they're very, very, uh, Web 3 is going to disrupt everything and remake so many different you know dependencies we have. And then you also have to add a bo body of a banking system, which is global. And, and, and it's so... It has been running for a millennial, being shaped for a millennial. Now it has to be remade through, let's say, uh, you know, CDBCs and and uh, cryptocurrency, which is governed and less centralized than we would want it to, or sorry, less decentralized than we would want it to be. So you now have not just free, and, and I say just, it's already was massive challenge from UX perspective or design perspective or service design perspective. Now we have to, you have to look at so many different overlaps and consider all those different things. And, you know, when advice startups, we, we still look at, at that Web2 mentality, but I think it's much bigger. And to build trust with the users, you have to do that. Like if you think about it, like last time I checked the statistics, uh, I think 4% roughly of users which amount of the internet, which amounts to roughly 300 million, uh, are some sort of cryptocurrency owners or NFT owners. Um, so we are not even close to being at the early adoption state as users. It's, it's you know, if you would, uh, I'm sure you might be aware of um, the diffusion of innovation and that product um, adoption cycles, which is like a belt curve. And we're just at the start of it, where you have uh, innovators, you know, you have early adopters, you have late majority, you have uh, laggers in the end, right? The percentages there, which again, said by Web2, is very clear that we are still at innovation state. We're not even there where it's, it would become mainstream enough to, for it to be rolled out and, you know, get to, let's say, I don't know, 14, 15% of, of people using it. And this is pure stats, right? Like that's factual. Um, having said that, we also have been using so many crutches of, let's say, you know, VR experience. Now I'm going to trigger a lot of people with this. But it's really the metaverse is a rebrand of VR and AR and mixed reality experiences. It's just like a version two. Um, granted, it has, you know, it's going to use a lot of decentralization and social aspects of that. It's going to be reachable. It's going to replicate a lot of lifelike experiences and things of that nature or replace them. But still, it's, it's almost like 
there you might be in early majority with nfts still innovation phase it's it's quite quite poor phase where the trust would need to be built so 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 much um if you take something like cryptocurrencies the niche pockets and and sub communities and and these uh, i guess scenes of people who are in technology are, are you know focusing on it but it, we're nowhere near where it would be adopted. Like last time I had the conversation, this is anecdotal, but I had the conversation with a person in tech and I was explaining, you know, my own um, crypto experience from mining. And, you know, I started with just a laptop back in the day, uh, mining Bitcoin in 2013, 14. So, so that's, that's a good chunk of time, right? Uh, I dropped it. I forgotten about it because it was like, oh, it's too complex. That mentality, I, I was already in tech, so I was already ahead of, but I see that it's, this is where we're at, where a lot of people who are not, I guess, maybe nerdy enough to look into it, or or they are not driven by financial incentives, or, you know, if you ask every other person who is that, that, that innovator state, they probably want to get rich quick. Um, and majority of people don't. Yeah. And, and so we, we have a lot of people who are now just sort of are, are very risk averse and kind of dabbling and kind of observing. Um, granted, they're probably going to miss out in the end, but we also going to be a gainers of the UX of the proper good experiences because whoever is involved now is going to do a lot of hard work. <laughs> you know, at some point we're going to arrive at, at something good. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, long answer to that <laughs> but it, it, it's a big one yes thank you um i can absolutely relate to what you said because i'm not a coder you know i don't know how to code i'm designer by trade but still i've been with the computers you know since 2000 i don't know maybe 1995 something like that and still for me when i open any sort of project the majority of them I just don't understand what's happening, you know. What does connect your wallet means, you know? Mm. But if you don't understand, imagine, imagine that majority of people, those ninety, um, what what ninety four percent, I guess, roughly speaking, probably more now, with, with you know, with all all the dips and raises in in cryptocurrencies and NFT raise, but. Imagine them. They they are not they're not gonna be anywhere near. And and it's funny when people who are in the industry or already you know working on experiences call them like quote unquote no no coiners, which <laughs> even further I guess discourage people you know from from entering or or get, having like a say or skin in a game or or, or participating in that. And that, that's I guess one of the key. I, I don't know if you would agree, but I feel like that trust building and anticipating it is is a massive um massive challenge at that but it should be um designers should start thinking about it now because if they want to see the mass adoption of it and the trust is the foundation even by the web free foundation definition you know read write and trust how can people trust something they don't understand well you, you know it, it, it's I think it's going to rely on, on, you know, that like uh, tried and proven UX process. I mean, there is, you know, we use a lot of different methods to ensure solution adoption and engagement. Um, and to me, like it, it has always been about just doing enough research and understanding 
the behavioral aspects, you know, like what makes humans tick, like people tick and in, interact well and, and gets a, a bit of delight, but also be efficient at what we need to achieve. Um, applying those principles and that user centricity is first step at that. Um, I, I have this good, good, I saw this good example by Paul Graham and, and he's, I think, former VC, one of the big names in, you know, tech, emerging tech startup communities. And he was, he was kind of putting, and, and that was alongside um, Cardano founder, Charles Hoskinson, who's now, I think, part of a foundation, but he's also more so focusing on inside, outside uh, his, his development organization. And, and they were actually using a term user experience. Um, they were the ones saying, uh, and, and that's, that's a Twitter con you know, conversation, which was quite interesting to observe of normally people who would be on the receiving end of the benefit of adding user experience to their projects. You now saying that web free and specifically cryptocurrencies are like this, 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 this almost pot of gold which, which is wrapped in this toxic, toxic waste ultimately. And that barrier of toxic waste is what's going to prevent it from, um, you know, from, from a good user experience. That, that, like roughly speaking, paraphrasing, it, it was in most terms. And, and my take is that exactly this is what's needed. This is, you know, we, we need as designers, I guess, pave the way, but it's music to my ears when, let's say, someone who you would normally not expect talk about user experience actually talks about it. It's almost like a like a call to action for every designer to go ahead and, and jump into it and fully immerse and learn and and start tinkering ultimately, you know, and 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 contributing. Um, but going back to that, you know, the like how could you do it? it it's it's still going to come back, come back to the fundamentals, to, you know, to apply a good, good layer of design thinking, good layer of futures thinking, because the, the again, the way we approach problems right now are very Web two. Uh, you know, it's common to what what the Web two challenges are like. This is where we're kind of starting at, and I feel like it's a bit more than that. Like, like, and and it's more gonna be, I guess, about the change management and and ways of working, but also considering those other factors from, let's say, governance and legal perspective, and um, you know, all the different implications from a financial system, which is which is a key driver now for Web three, like, like. If, if you would ask a, a, an everyday user of, of crypto or NFTs, they might tell you that it's about art or decentralization. But if you would dig deeper, like immediate human need is about resources and, and you know, building on top of that. Granted, this is not, this is not the majority's interest. What do you mean by resources? What kind of resources? Well, well, it, it would be financial gain, I would say, um, and and you know, I, and this is oversimplification because humans are not that simple. But that's how majority of people, I guess, discover about it. Or, or you know, besides keywords and interests being sparked, there has to be some sort of like we as designers, we need to assess what um, what what is that ultimate need from human, you know, psychology perspective. If you take something like Maslow's pyramid of human needs. That would be it. Like it, everyone who would go through any, any, absolutely any decision they would make to opt in or learn or something, they would in, in, unintentionally like just go through those steps. And, and, and 
at the state and at lack of trust, lack of, I guess, so many dangers all around the corners because nobody can tell you what's trusted and what's not. You need to do enough research yourself. You would need to go through those steps and, and figure out. And I feel like, you know, you could tick a lot of boxes and figure out what, what drives people, but it, it, it's certainly gonna, the, the drivers are gonna be slightly different tomorrow than it is today as well. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to follow a lot of, a, a, a lot of, I guess, um, more, more so like, like demographical type of data and distribution and how people are approaching, uh, crypto, uh, web free, like end to end, basically any branch you would take, like, like it almost doesn't matter right now. Maybe metaverse would be a bit of, uh, like outsider. Uh, because it's being botched together through different like backing technologies and things of that nature. Um, but but looking at, let's say, the demographics, we know that the split is, let's say, very clear. And this is purely crypto users, right? They are, let's say, 80% male, uh, 20% female, like roughly speaking, uh, those could shift. That That is very reflective of like our, I guess, non-diverse uh, tech makeup. Because that's how that, that's roughly how many you know male engineers or male technologists we have versus female, and and if you look at the age groups, like it's everything below I think thirty three year, sorry thirty five years old is the vast majority. It's more than half of the people who own any crypto asset is that, and and how many of those would be a, a designer? Let's say I would say it's it's you know maybe half a percent. Maybe less, maybe more, who knows? But but it's a wild guess. But ultimately, their needs are are very technical. So I'm 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 sort of narrowing down of exactly who we're dealing with right now, right? Like this is who you would design experiences. But my challenge is like we shouldn't those those are early adopters who would uh, opt-in for uh, different, I guess, solutions regardless. Like, like it's quote unquote easy to, to get them on, right? Like with a good marketing, with, with trust building through different campaigns and good, you know, good feedback, good communities and, and, and natural cycles of, you know, messaging and stuff. But what's next? That, that's where to me is a big one because the challenges we are dealing right now is going to look very differently. Let's say if we would want to tip the scales, let's say, I don't know, someone is going to come up with, um, a well-needed, let's say, uh, some sort of, of cryptocurrency or some sort of project which would want to tip the scales and and get us more into like a majority of the people. Like the research there would have to be extensive, and also the type of work. Let's say I would never expect, um, you know, someone like my parents to understand the NFTs. And I don't, I don't think they would need to at all. I feel like it's our responsibility to design that technology so they don't have to, because it's, it's far too mature, way too technical. And besides the, you know, the digital rights ownership, let's say, they, they shouldn't even be wary of that technology. We don't need to know about it. We do. And maybe someone who's early adopter should do. But the vast majority, like, you know, the mainstream, so to speak, they, they should just be users and, and it should be easy for them. So that means that for this demographic, Web3, Web2, I mean, is pretty much enough. Can we say that, for example, there is a space for the app that will 
help grandmas exchange recipes on the blockchain. Is, is there ever would be a need for this type of services on the web three? Or web two is just enough, yeah. you know, even web one would be fine, you know. <laughs> no, you yeah. won't be able to exchange on web one, right? Web two is doing the job. I, I think you're spot on of that. I mean, I'm sure someone is gonna challenge you, and I could challenge you from like trying to put on a different hat, but if you think about it like the descent like if if we take distributed ledger oh. and blockchain. It's been around for like like the, the peer-to-peer decentralized exchange and, and databasing and, and putting information and decentralizing it. If you remember peer-to-peer uh, software, uh, legal or illegal at that, the early internet stages, that was that. That was the start of it, right? Like, and, and the internet itself was supposed to be decentralized. It, it, it was like a version 0.1. I feel like like it, it, there's a lot of hype with that. Like I don't like sh- sh- you know to to shorten the answer. I don't feel like web free is is you know y- you have to do it or or there is much benefit unless it's very cheap to develop or cost effective from tech tech side. But again, from user side, they they shouldn't care about it. And and it doesn't matter if it's grandma or someone who's let's say maybe more tech savvy. Like it's about making user lives easier, right? And and making it more trusted. Granted, if if our perception as as society and and globally speaking or regionally speaking would change towards what Web three offers, like that privacy, transparency, um, that you know you own the information and you can also share it as as needed, that could have its own like almost like a customer experience marketing twist. Because you can then say, oh, this this is almost like a competitive edge to it, right? That we are much more secure or we are much more transparent or we are much more distributed and that nobody really owns your data. It's it's across a board and maybe it's secure enough if 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 it is. Um but I guess looking at all the developments like the you know, the CBDCs and um, you know, the pound and dollar now being in the books to be, I guess, put on a blockchain or to some sort of extent, it's very, very private and it's very hard to tell what's going to happen. But that to me seems like almost like one of those which we need, need to de- anticipate as as technologists or designers or product managers. It doesn't really matter. This is what's going to, I think, make crypto more um, mainstream because it's going to, in the end, at some point in the long term, is going to replace our currencies, and and we're going to start with, I think, UK market, US market for sure, because that's already in the books. The danger there, and when I read it, uh, there was a lot of, I guess, um, there was a lot of uh, uh, write-ups, and and a lot of could be rumors, it could be predictions, but um, it, if if you take a spectrum between being fully decentralized, which is almost ungoverned. And, and very centralized and governed, which we have now, let's say, with money. And you could still debate a lot of articles are, are let's say, and, and, and parts of it are decentralized. It would be almost opposite spectrum than what majority of the projects in Web3 now try to achieve. Like I read one line and I was quite shocked where it was something like a government could control how you spend those tokens or, or that currency because they could restrict it based on... Uh, any political developments like what's happening, let's say, in uh, Russia or Ukraine right now, where governments 
because of the conflicts, because of that, you know, the war basically ongoing, um, I, I just read they basically restrict how much money you can take out, out of the bank. And the banks have to comply because the government does that. So that would become even easier to control that. Let's say if there's a conflict or there's massive inflation and someone, you know, like what happened in Canada right now, um, if someone leaked that thing that the banks are going to restrict uh, withdrawals, people started withdrawing. If if it would have been web-free, fully decentralized cryptocurrency, they could just slam it and say, you cannot do more than, I don't know, 20 virtual tokens a day or something like that. It becomes almost like a, like, um, like a voucher rather than actual currency, which you can freely exchange. And that's my fear, basically. But I also see that it's almost, it's inevitable if we want to, for a web-free technology, not necessarily the experiential layer, layer to become mainstream. When people on decentralization and web-free enthusiasts speak about the, the opportunities, they say that you can own things. My concern here and question here is that do people really want to own the all responsibility for what they're doing, let's say finances? Because if we look at um, pension schemes, right? So basically, when you pay your pension contributions, you actually sort of made investment into the future with the government and they grow percent and pay you back. If you could do it yourself, it's, it's the same. So, but because people don't want to take this risk, they actually trust the government to do it on their behalf. Yeah, but but you see, this is this is interesting example because you know certain markets already have like private pots and stuff like ISIS in in UK, right? But you, it relies on I guess people um, to be aware of what the impact is going to be in the end. And and there is a lot of, I guess, aggregators of pensions in like, I'm forgetting what exactly it is. It's not about them. It's just what we do really. But they basically try to even compare themselves of how does that money pot could actually look like and how many percents. Like that information informing people is necessary. But going back to your point about like, do people actually need to know or, or should they care or should they just set it aside? I feel like there is a lot of like... Uh, like behavioral science, uh, finance uh, aspect to that, where you know you should like we know for sure that that's like putting aside and just forgetting about it and and continuously accumulating some sort of finances is a way to save. That's almost like a behavioral finance one one for savings for personal finance for pension or whatever, right? So you could argue from that regard, if maybe enough research to understand who they are, how informed people are, how caring they are, you could you could make that assessment. But also, it's a it's it's a risky one, right? Because you it has to be done right. Um, to me, like if I would come from, I guess, experience design perspective. Um, we we as as designers, I guess, jump into happy paths. And assumptions and everything is gonna work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I feel like this is this is something what I try to instill in in I guess you know when I develop teams let's say or develop people or develop like new design organizations or or teams in a advisory work or full time work I'm I'm always I'm always kind of almost being the devil's advocate. Well, you know what about what if it doesn't work? What if there's some sort of development? What if there's, I don't know, the next pandemic 
and and inflation kicks up. <laughs> okay, um, talking about Web two versus Web three UX, and uh, I remember watching one of your videos uh, where you said that with any emergent tech, there will be never a case when somebody comes, grabs you by the hand, and say, "Hey, come and do." UX fast, right? So you have to learn it yourself, get your hands dirty, become an, an expert. Do you think with this emerging uh, tech, there is a lot of opportunities for designers to become like thought leaders and experts in the fields? You know, what's your take on this? No, this is, it's something I'm quite passionate about because um, and, and I guess, you know, to preface, it comes from when I tried to, let's say, uh, hire designers or, or review portfolios, uh, vast majority of the portfolios are what I would deem safe, or they would be, uh, quiet, I guess, simple projects, like, you know, things which, which you would maybe expect of a junior or midweight, you know, some seniors, but beyond that, it's like, what what would help you to stand out from a crowd? It's very complex challenges, ultimately. It's solving big problems. Uh, it's big impact, big outcomes. And let's say designing a website, you know, you grant it, you need to have like, this is craft. This is to me like designing a good website to make it persuasive and achieve goals and, and maybe optimize, you know, click range or, or things of that. It's art in itself. It could be very complex, but majority of it is not. It's, it's, you know, landing pages and things of that nature. So, and a lot of designers kind of are happy with that in early in their careers, which is good. But as you grow as a designer, my, my take is always to, to challenge a little bit, you know, themselves from their own perspective and set bigger goals because that emerging tech, you know, um, let's say if we would take, uh, VR back in the day, it took so many years for it to pick up and only like the earliest, most innovators are, are taking the charge. And even then it's, it's that early adoption status. Maybe this is where we're at like right now. Right. Um, I, I feel like if you would have started then, then it was just a kickoff and you would have gotten something like a VR headset, you would try it out. You would understand the challenges from the human interaction perspective. Uh, you would understand from your own, like N equals one evidence that some things work. This is what, what wouldn't work for majority. This is what, you know, which is brilliant, something like an opportunity. These are the pain points. You could make a project out of that and you could have learned and established yourself in that space as a thought leader, like right now. And, and let's say if, I don't know, Meta is hiring for Metaverse right now, which we are massively, they're expanding, uh, people who would have thought about it and deeply immersed themselves learning it would would definitely get you know an interview or a callback as compared to majority of the people who might be quite comfortable for whatever reasons again you know this is not judgment it's it's just trying to reflect of of what the market is like it's doing that extra extra step and and immersing in what's to come rather than what is 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 gonna put you like we know that let's say if we talk about web free and emerging tech there 
and all the different factors, which, you know, besides the technology, like the geopolitical developments and, you know, the currency developments and trying to digitize that and all the different other aspects and, and, you know, shifting focuses on more sustainability, you know, like cybersecurity, the automation, AI and, and machine learning is still in its infancy, basically. But even then, you could dig deeper into that. And then in the next few years, you could become like, like a thought leader. And, and to be entirely honest, it, it doesn't really take that much to become one uh, because you have books, you have videos, articles. You, you almost can become a user of certain bits and, and experience it yourself to understand how does it work and then take it from there ultimately. Um, I feel like the, the learning and the gap between being super effective and, and kind of like being almost like a, um, I guess effective in, a, in terms that you can actually design for it or you can research bits is, is very short. You know, uh, if, if someone would come to me, let's say today and say, um, I'm interested in crypto and I want to design for the likes of, let's say, Coinbase, Binance, uh, you know, decentralized exchanges. I would say you could already probably design it because it's trading plus a bit of decentralized finance, but you don't, you wouldn't even need to know that unless you want to progress the field itself. So you, you kind of, you need to almost get started before you are ready and then learn continuously and and like full immersion to me is key in everything like you know from my own pers- perspective and experience from people like coach and mentor i always say to like again nobody's going to choose you <laughs> you know there, there is like it's never has been a case that like someone and and this kind of maybe is personal learning from back in the day where i was like oh i'm going to i'm going to do this degree i'm going to design a few things and then i'm going to be market ready it's like not the case anymore. And I feel like as we go, as we get more, you know, and more I, automating the basic things like Web2 and, and, and I guess uh, uh, thinking about emerging tech in Web3 is, is just going to escalate that. Like you, you need to be very, very fast and nimble, I think, to catch up with a market. But having said that, if you think about like from the futures thinking perspective, like what's to come, and almost having a sci-fi goggles and, and looking at the future from that perspective, like, like you just need to pick one and stick with it ultimately, like whatever is most interesting. Um, and my advice has always been almost like find what, what you would want to work on in the very long term as in, and, and now very long term is a few years. You know, back in the day, it used to be like a career yeah. type of thing, right? But because of improvements, <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the the rule, which is one nine ninety. Basically, it says that one percent of users they create content and then become mm-hmm. experts, like yourself. You have a YouTube channel; people find you and perceive you as an expert. And people like me coming and saying, hey, you, you want to come for an interview <laughs> for the podcast? <laughs> then 9% is actually interacting with the content and rest 90 is just consuming the content. So I think it's similar, um, similar strategy here when you get fully immersed, when you actually learn the foundation and start to you know like dig deeper into the field you want to actually develop in then you 
and you do it publicly, you know, and there is mm. very big opportunities now to be, you know, like build things publicly, write publicly, you know, using Twitter, yeah. you know, anything, anything like that. And then people just notice you, okay, this guy has something, you know, he has this, you know, uh, motivation has this uh, interest and passion to actually move forward before he's been called, you know, mm -hmm. to to be in the position of, you know, web-free UX designer or anything like that. But he actually establishes in this role. Yeah, I think there is a correlation. And I, definitely. And I think it's spot on. It's also, you know, a lot of we, because, you know, we design for people, but we tend to not design ourselves or our careers or, or, or not approach it in the same way. Like we solve problems for others, but my take is like, just solve your own problems first, then everything else is going to follow because it's going to be much easier to solve someone else's problem. And this is that problem where it's like, if you want to position yourself to be hireable, I'm, I'm not talking about like thought leadership or, or sharing the work, like what I do, let's say I'm nowhere near by way thank you, but I'm nowhere near an expert. I, I just have expertise in certain areas. And I try to connect the dots and draw out what people would find useful, right? Doing that is, is, is easy as in, you know, it takes time granted, like you might need to cover things, but a lot of emerging tech specifically is research. It's, it's, it's experiencing it on your own. If let's say, you want to get started with uh, crypto or web free NFTs, get there, get, get the cheapest NFT experience, what that experience is like, where are the shortcomings, specifically Google, why people hate NFTs or like, why is it, let's say bad or like, why, like I have plenty of reasons why it is like that, by the way, which I'm a massive skeptic of it, but, but I see a lot of potential if it's eventually done right. And, and that alone you can find on different communities, simply Googling, simply researching. Uh, books are being written as we speak. You know, everybody's trying to position exactly like you should be doing, let's say, if you are interested in that area, right? And, and then you, over time, going to start connecting the dots. And all you have to do, as you said, engage on a, a channel and, and just, you know, speak your mind ultimately. It's going to connect. And and as you do so, then it's going to be reflected on your work. And then, you know, the rest is is, is, is almost to come because it, it's going to be reflected in, in, you know, case studies, portfolios, interests, everything. Like, you know, I, I'm trying to focus a lot on career development for people because the, the, the approach is simple. In its sense, you just need to trust that process and 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 go ahead with it. Talking about UX is uh, comparing to, for example, UI. You can have UI of digital product principles that work there. They're very different to UI, let's say, of a physical product. But UX is such a meta skill. Um, do you think that what we have? in this sphere of uh, UX as a knowledge that we accumulated, what is will be relevant for Web3 and what would be left behind, if anything? Well, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I would even challenge you a bit on that, as in, like, to me, it seems like we, you know, everyone ultimately needs to approach it more so from service design perspective 
and then UX specific touch points and only then UI the specific smaller bits. If that makes sense, it's almost like you, you dig deeper. And of course, you could horizontally slice it with uh, customer experience if, if, if there is some sort of motive there. But it, it has to do with UI a lot, but I think it also has to do very little with UI because the challenges we're going to face going forward is going to be about the automation, about like convergence of technologies. Um, let's say, you know, you might be working on, and I'm going to kind of drag myself out of the web free. You might be working with uh, robotics, let's say. Um, and, and there, you know, it's all automated. There is almost no UI. It, it's about the hardware. It's about the, it's all, almost like efficiency gains and why UX would be engaged there would be to spot um, inefficiencies from the human perspective that, hey, maybe switching from, I don't know, a poster to some sort of robot to something else takes, I don't know, five seconds, let's say. And you could reduce that if it just would be one task from a human perspective. That's where UX would add a lot, but UX would need to engage and do enough research and ethnography to understand that this is how it works. And, and whilst a lot of it cannot really be applied to, let's say, buying cryptocurrencies or, you know, connecting your wallet, it, a lot of this is so invisible that it just needs to be wrapped in, you know, we need to reflect from like the user perspective of what, what do they think? How do they make decisions? Why is it unclear? Let's say if I, it would be my project and you, you named that example that connecting the wallet is very unclear. I would engage with you and and dig deeper exactly like why is it not clear what what the permeations there are map that experience end to end and then have a conversation digging deeper exactly why like like what else could be done ultimately like what else could be you using because you, you certainly had alternatives beforehand that to me would be like thinking about it quite holistically before you even jump into the UI because you know, the hypothesis there could be that you're going to have, I don't know, you could have uh, like like almost like a, um, a stamp of very quick and dirty fixes, like low-hanging fruit could be that you're going to reflect on a UI copy, you're going to push the different pixels around like in feature terms, but that still might not resonate. You could test it, you could say this is this, this optimized by 1% and therefore it's much better. But it's not holistic enough because why do you even need to connect, let's say, the wallet? Like I'm, I'm almost speculating what could be the answer from people or like what does that mean? Does it mean that I need to now maybe connect to my bank or something like that? You know, because people might think in those terms. And this is wild example. I'm, I might be totally wrong, but it seems like you already could have like speculations of what could, what those problems actually are instead of jumping into solutions and and almost like retouching instead of setting up it for success, if that makes sense. And this is a massive challenge, by the way. I'm not saying that you should you shouldn't jump immediately into a UI and, and you should do a lot of research, but it's all about engagement with a user, but also keeping in mind that again, businesses right now are driven by technology. And I'm banging on that drum where uh, it's similar to Web2, where, you know, the technology was progressing so fast that regulation couldn't keep up and still can't. You know, nobody regulates the Web2 social networks. Let's say that's 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 just a joke. Um, but it, the Web3... They, they're trying to post-regulate it. 
when things already happened, <laughs> hey, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, when we have a learning and something breaks down, right? Like, or or you get like because of ads, you get a president which which nobody wanted. <laughs> let's say, right? Like, but that's way too late, right? Uh, but I also see in it a challenge of its own because we we might not be able to catch up in time. That's my take. Like if I look at, let's say, the other day I was looking at job ads um, in 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 specifically crypto jobs. And that was, I, I wanted to know exactly how many jobs are then like UI, UX, like what even the titles they're looking for. It's very, very UI focused. There is very little UX. And if it is, it's for those companies which are already way ahead. Like the likes of, let's say, I could name Coinbase, Binance. They have, let's say, a need for UX researchers, UX designers, UI, like very specialized, I guess, and quite mature from that perspective. Majority of the companies or majority of the jobs for the time being are not going to be any of that. We, we might want someone to come in and do UI work outright with very little research and presumptions. And that's what we need to deal with because it's very akin to what, what's with Web2. If you remember the rise of UX and the need for such a massive influx of designers from UX perspective, that happened after like a lot of the products were already in the market and the businesses needed to optimize or compete with each other. That's where the need was like, okay, maybe UX would be an option. And that's where it sparked kind of like the growth and demand. But in reality, it, it, it's, I think it's almost like a life cycle, which we're going to go through. And right now, it's, it's quite dire. I mean, you, you, you know, besides, I guess, joining it at, at, um, as a, let's say, if you are a UX designer and you're going to join someone as a UI designer, you need to pre be prepared to do a lot of change management. And, and making that change, change internally to maybe it's even a perfect challenge to become a design leader there from that perspective. Maybe you just need to aim a bit lower and then from there go up because you could establish a team, you could prove the value of UX, you could be one of, one of I guess, a few design leaders in a space um, because it's not that, that prominent, if that makes sense. And, and that's where I'm like, between Web2 and Web3, I see parallels because technology is driving the change. It's not user need or user's interest. I feel like the principles of, if you take, um, let's say Bitcoin white paper from Satoshi's, uh, you know, the principles of that transparency and how good that sounds on paper and things of that nature is there. And, uh, someone who might not be as user experience versed, like let's say majority of a tech crowd, like engineers and, you know, super skilled at that, but they might not know exactly how to engage with people and how to make them adult solution is just carrying that message and decentralizing everything and then seeing exactly how to fit that between business needs again and all the other, you know, permeations, if, if that makes sense. But yeah. It's a massive challenge. That's ultimately it. <laughs> Thank you. I think our dedicated time is coming to an end. Yeah, I feel, I feel like we could chat for hours on this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. That's why yeah. we could make another, have another episode. And uh, the last question I wanted to ask you is, um, where can people find you online? Oh, um, I feel like if, if uh, Googling VA experience would be it, um, uh, you know, YouTube channel is probably one of the key areas where people find me most. Um, 
I'm, I'm trying to make it less about myself, but more about the message. Um, so I guess there would be the best place to start if you're interested in UX design, um, heavily user research informed UX design. Um, you know, I'm trying to separate a lot from the UI because there's a lot of channels like that. But if you're interested in that, you could just, you know, search for it. I'm sure you're going to find a video or so and maybe it's, it's going to resonate. Any social networks? Uh, Twitter, VA underscore experience, vaexperience.com, you know, all that jazz, but VA experience is, is uh, a handle. <laughs> okay, Vitotas, thank you for your time and insights and sharing your experience. It was a pleasure having you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was fun.